Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I am Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Hello, hello, my friends. I am so excited you are coming back to another amazing episode of Breast Cancer Conversations. I love connecting with all of you week after week and bringing you the latest and greatest from our breast cancer community. Today, I am joined with Heidi Punke Brown, who is living with metastatic breast cancer. She is an amazing woman, a mom. She's from Illinois. We have mutual friends, which we did not know at the time of this recording, but throughout our conversation, um, we've come to discover that we are dear friends with the amazing Leslie Ferris Yoger, who is the founder and executive director, CEO, all the things at My Density Matters. So we talk a little bit about that. Heidi shares with us what it's like living with MBC, how she has undergone gamma knife for a lesion that she has on her brain. And then we also talk about the beauty of, you know, trying to find peace in this world of chaos, the role of meditation and her wisdom and her, I think she gives us five tips for how she navigates all of this. So we have quite the episode for you today. Welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations. So glad you are here. If you're new to our podcast, I want to let you know that our podcast, as you heard from the beginning, is brought to us by survivingbreastcancer.org. So I would encourage all of you, if you're not familiar with our organization, to hop on over to survivingbreastcancer.org forward slash events. And there you will see all of our programs. We have weekly support groups, aka our Thursday Night Thrivers. We have Thriver groups specifically for inflammatory breast cancer, all stages and phases and subtypes, plus one for metastatic breast cancer as well. We also have a variety of amazing programs, including expressive writing, art therapy, programs now being offered in Spanish, which I'm so excited about. Again, we really are just putting out amazing programs and services for you. All of our programs are 100% free to our SBC community members, those living with breast cancer, metastatic disease, et cetera, and their caregivers. And we are so fortunate because of donors like you to keep us in business. Run a Facebook challenge for us, a Facebook fundraiser if it's your birthday, donate via Instagram, especially as we are coming up on Giving Tuesday and end of year giving. All of your donations are 100% tax deductible. All right, that's my spiel. Thank you again for listening. Let's get to the content today with Heidi. Welcome to the conversation. issue for me is that my social media feeds are just so full of breast cancer things because I follow so many groups, organizations, people with breast cancer. And so, I mean, I can scroll and scroll and scroll and I only see that. But yet, you know, my friends who don't have breast cancer, like they aren't inundated with it. I mean, it's so it's kind of like, I like my own fault or my own doing. And so, you know, a lot of my friends, you know, they're all sharing like the metaviver, you know, thing of the day and stuff. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't see this same thing again, you know, and I see it on Facebook and then I go to Instagram and it's a repeat. And then I go to Twitter and I'm like, okay, <laughs> this has stopped, but it's not the world. It's the world that I choose to be in. So I'm not really sure all the world feels pinked out. 
It's just that we choose to surround ourselves with that. And so that's what we get. To some degree, we can be in our own echo chamber, preaching to the choir about breast cancer, about early detection, understanding your symptoms, and then supporting each other throughout the diagnosis, whether you're early stage or late stage. Heidi was diagnosed with metastatic de novo breast cancer, HER2 positive. And de novo means that there was never an earlier stage of breast cancer that was detected. So when she went in for her mammograms and additional screenings, they ended up finding lesions on her liver, immediately bringing her to a metastatic stage for advanced breast cancer diagnosis. I found a lump in the shower. Um, and so I made a doctor's appointment, had it checked out. I'd had a what I thought was a clean mammogram. Um, a few months prior, and the mammogram still didn't show anything, but I mean, my primary care provider could feel it too. So I had a diagnostic mammo and an ultrasound. And just because I was having some other symptoms, they did a chest ab pelvic CT. Um, actually, they did an ab- just an abdominal CT that day too. So all in one fell swoop, They said, yes, you have breast cancer and you have innumerable masses on your liver and you have three spots on your spine. What were your other symptoms that prompted the additional tests and screenings? I had recently lost a lot of weight and I had what I thought were gallbladder symptoms, which we now know were liver symptoms, but we thought it was gallbladder. So, um, Yeah, so I was diagnosed de novo in July of 2019, and I choose to get my treatment at uh, Barnes Jewish Hospital, Washington University, and that's in St. Louis, which is about three and a half hour one-way drive. But um, my cancer is HER2 positive, and um, so I got down there, and they also found that my adrenal gland was involved and uh, found several lymph nodes. So I got started on chemo actually pretty quick. And um, I was on Herceptin, Progetta, and Docetaxel. And uh, breast tumors disappeared and um, everything got pretty much under control. And I was just doing Herceptin and Progetta. And then in November of 2020, so a little over a year later, um, they found that it spread to my brain. And I've had three different times I've had gamma knife for additional mets um, in my brain. And the last one was two and a half weeks ago. But uh, everything is very controlled um, except for brain, although it's not bad. I mean, uh, we do gamma knife and those go away. So. Uh, sure, because Gamma Knife really, it, I don't know why it has that name, but it's cobalt radiation, uh, very uh, specifically directed to tiny little targeted sites. So I go in and they do a very detailed brain MRI the day before different than a regular MRI, um, one that's a a little longer and a little more detailed. And they use that to map and program 
And then I go in the day of and they screw in the halo frame. And then I'm screwed down to a table. And the gamma knife is a cobalt radiation that will just directly, I mean, they can direct it to hit a two millimeter lesion on my brain. Is there pain associated with the gamma knife procedure? No pain at all and no redness, just the fatigue. And you can have edema from the radiation. Um, I The first time I had it, they uh, did the procedure on five lesions. And then the second time, uh, they did it on six. And so both of those times, I was on steroids afterward because of the edema. Now, this last time, there was only one. And I, I'm not even on steroids from it. I'm two and a half weeks out. I mean, I feel tired, but I also feel tired because I've had metastatic breast cancer for three and a half years. So I don't really know what the difference is, you know? Completely understandable. Do you practice any meditation or take anything to help with the anxiety prior to going into Gamma Knife? Most people um, take some medication to relax. Um, They do use lidocaine and inject in the four places. So you don't feel the screws going in, but you hear internally the sound of the screws going through the bone, which is as eerie as I'm describing it. You, you hear internally, you can hear that that screw is going in and you, you hear that sound in your skull, um, but it doesn't hurt because they've already given you lidocaine. It is a little freaky and um, they say most of their patients get some kind of medication beforehand. I am a big believer in meditation. And so I meditate and I don't use the medication. Um, Meditation is so helpful to me. I just happened to have learned that before my diagnosis, not long. I was diagnosed in July of 2019, and earlier that year, I was seeing a therapist, and she suggested it, and I was just a super-duper high type A personality, and I thought, there is no way. There is no way I can do this, and I just got a free app and tried it, and I mean, it took a long time before I could get a minute. I mean, that was a huge accomplishment. And now I'm to the point that I can meditate my way through these procedures. I can meditate my way through the long scans and it's really helpful. And I tell people that it's, I highly recommend meditation. And if you think that you're a person who can't do it, you should have known me four years ago. How often have you gone in for Gamma Knife? The first two times they were longer treatments. Um, I think the first one was over an hour, but like this last one, there was one lesion and I was in the, in there uh, about 25 minutes and that's it. And you go home. All right. It's amazing. Yeah. And so you, the, the side effects from that just seem to be like the tiredness and the fatigue from it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel more tired, but you know, that's kind of hard to to judge when you're a busy person and a mom and overscheduled and you have NBC anyway. (laughs) 
That is so relatable. And for so many of us listening, we wear so many hats. We try and do all the things to manage a breast cancer diagnosis, living with a terminal disease. Heidi answers my probing question, trying to help me understand how she does it all, managing her busy life, all of the things that she's engaged in, plus navigating a metastatic breast cancer diagnosis. I hope you find these tips helpful as well. First off is for me is faith. And I understand that looks different for a lot of people, but my faith is just vital to me. And I feel like MBC has just kind of given me a, just a one-on-one communication with God. Um, I'm able to focus more than I used to be. Um, Secondly would be family support group. Um, My immediate family and my support group is strong. Uh, Three would be uh, my part, my spouse, my husband. Um, He's, um, he's vital to me being able to fight this. He kind of knows when I need sympathy and also seems to know when I need to have a little little push in the behind to you know keep going and um and finally uh what ties to the faith in a way um is the therapy and continued work on how i'm not in control um i have always been a big control freak and this it was something i was working on before the diagnosis and um the diagnosis really brought that to a head. I'm like, oh, I get it. <laughs> I'm not in charge. Um, you know, I was, I'm a CPA. And so kind of the the things you associate with a CPA, that's me, you know, slightly OCD and, and, and little things like that. Well, you know, you don't have any control of your life. And um, I really sort of thought I had some control over things. And then this diagnosis came and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I, I'm not in control here. And um, in a lot of ways, I think I'm happier now than I was before my diagnosis. Uh, I would not in any way say that cancer is a gift. Um, some people do, and that's their prerogative. I it's not a gift because of the ultimate outcome and definitely because of the effect that my cancer has on my loved ones, my children, my husband, my mom. Um, but I will say I feel mentally stronger since my diagnosis because I'm able to prioritize things easier. Um, I always had a problem with work home life balance and some other things. And when, uh, when you face a diagnosis like that, um, it becomes pretty easy to go, what's important, what's not. Okay. If it's not important, I don't have time for that. Right. Right. How old are your children? My kids are 25, 21 and 20. Two are in college and one's out of college. Okay. And so how, how are they taking all of this news with their mom living with NBC and your spouse and your husband? How's he doing? Um, they're doing fairly well, I think. It's a, a little more of a struggle um, for my kids on different days, different times. Um, you know, everybody's a, a little different. I think my two younger ones 
Um, I think it hits them a little bit harder. And they were younger. Um, and my youngest was actually still in high school. So she was here living with me when I was going through all of that first diagnosed and all the trips down and starting chemo and things like that. Um, but I, I feel like we're very, very close. I, I, I'm very, very close to my kids, um, closer than I was before, because again, we all understand that you just can't keep putting off important things. We all know living with a breast cancer diagnosis has its whirlwind of ups and downs and so many emotions, and that there are things that are obvious triggers for us, and then some things that we don't expect that become incredibly triggering. I remember when I found out um, somebody I was close with was pregnant, and I am super happy for this person. And at the same time, it was like a knife to the heart, knowing that because of all the treatments that I was on and everything that I've been through, that I probably most likely will not be having kids. And so it was this weird moment of, you know, unexpected triggering. Um, and that's just one example. So I wanted to ask you, are there things in your life that um, you either know and proactively can manage around in terms of triggers or things that are unexpected that kind of bubble up out of nowhere? How do you navigate all of this? There are, um, I, I like the unimportant days, the the momentous big occasion days, birthdays, anniversaries, holidays. Those are a lot more difficult for me because we associate key memories that we think about, you know, every, every year that day. Whereas if you pick a random date in October, you know, you, you don't remember what you were doing the year before. So I always know that I have to be prepared and a little bit on guard for the special days. Um, in terms of Pinktober, I've come to realize that my issue with it is kind of brought on by myself because if my friends who don't have MBC are scrolling through their social media, they might see a few things about breast cancer, but not anything like me. Well, that's because I have a lot of friends who have metastatic breast cancer. I have, I follow a lot of organizations and support groups. Um, I support a lot of not-for-profits or, you know, try to. And so when I get on social media these days, I could scroll for 10 minutes before I find something that doesn't have to do with breast cancer. And I try to remind myself that that's kind of brought on myself. So there's no one to get angry. I feel there's no one to get angry about that over. That's just a price I pay for loving a lot of people with NBC. Um, you know, because I'll I will see some posts and think about sharing it. Well, seven of my very good friends with NBC have also already shared it. And nobody's wrong. It's just, you know, that's what we see. Um, this year has been a little better for me because um I didn't realize that I had dense breast tissue and that that meant I should have been getting additional screenings beyond a mammogram. And so after learning all this, I work with My Density Matters. And Leslie Ferris. 
Yes. yes. Oh my God. Shout out to her. She's amazing. Absolutely. Tell me, tell me. She is. She's incredible. So Leslie and I um, kind of met online and I have a very good friend of mine who farms uh, near me. He was actually on the, he was a board of directors at the company that I was a controller for. And so we talked a lot business wise and I told him that I was diagnosed and, and explained it to him. And he owns uh, power planters, which uh, among other things, they sell augers that you can attach to a drill and you can plant bulbs very easily or you get bigger ones and dig fence posts and that kind of thing. So um, Greg is just a wonderful friend. And so we all connected, Leslie and Greg and I. And so now we have Heidi's Hope Boxes that are out and available for purchase at the Power Planter website. And it has Les- it has Leslie's book in it. It has information on, on dense breast tissue, why it matters, what you should tell your care provider, your doctor about it. Um, we had a partnership by a company who's donated uh, pink tulip bulbs for it. And you get the seven inch pink auger and so the idea is um, you can go out there and plant bulbs that, you know, magically over winters here, you, you don't see anything. And then all of a sudden in the spring, these beautiful flowers pop up. Um, that's how it happened. Greg, that first winter, he gave me an auger and my husband, Dave, and I planted a hundred bulbs. And, you know, at the time I was thinking, gosh, I won't even, I don't even know if I'm going to be alive in the spring you know, to see them. And um, when you have Midwest winters and you think, well, how can anything like a little bulb survive and turn into a beautiful flower year after year? And it was so nice to see them pop up. And so um, you can get the the Heidi's Hope boxes. Uh, there's a personal letter for me in there. And then it uh, $25 goes to My Density Matters. And we're working really hard with My Density Matters to get the word out. Um, There's a a Check Your Chart initiative. And uh, we're just trying to make sure every woman knows her breast density and why it matters. I love this. And full disclosure, and I'm going to have to text Leslie uh, after this call because I actually serve on her board of directors and love that woman. So such a small like world and dotted lines everywhere. And I actually did not know about the Heidi Hope packages. I think that is phenomenal. Um, So one of the things I definitely want to do in the show notes after this recording is link to all of that. So I'll be following up with you to get Greg's um, link for that, let people know where they can go to get these bulbs. And how like beautiful to think, you know, when you put something in the ground and you kind of leave it there and you don't see it, how much still happens, right? That in, in these cold winters, you in Illinois, me in Boston, like, you know, there's still life and, you know, you need to nurture that and, yeah. and pay attention. To and, that. and I know, you know, there isn't a set course of how long you live with metastatic breast cancer, but with the little that I knew in July, when I suddenly find myself with it and you do internet searches um, with, you know, uh, Mets to my adrenal gland, my bone, innumerable masses on my liver. I didn't think there was any way I would be in around in the spring to see these flowers bloom. And, you know, now I've, I've been around for three springs 
And um, I have I have another. I haven't told my husband this. He'll hear this uh, on the podcast. I, I've ordered another about 150 bulbs to go in. Um, I'm going full tilt because I'm going to be around here in the spring to see them come out. And I don't. I mean, flowers all signify hope, but bulbs especially because there's just absolutely nothing there. It's you put this odd looking thing in the ground and cover it up and then winter comes and you don't see anything and early spring and you don't see anything. And then all of a sudden it it just um, you have a beautiful plant and I just love the concept of hope. And we have to keep hoping um, because you, you I tell myself you you can't die every day. You're only going to die once. And so if I focus on when I'm going to die, I'm dying a little every day. So I want to keep a signal. Uh, I want to keep my beacon uh, out there looking for hope and to keep going. And for me, I also really like the work with my breasts, uh, with my density matters, because I feel like I can maybe save some lives. <laughs> get some other women to get their breast cancer diagnosis at an earlier stage than I did. And Leslie has the same story. Very much so. So kind of understanding what your breast density is. And for those who are less familiar, you know, when you go get your mammogram, your the, the x-ray or the imaging that shows up is a black and white image. And your cancer, if you do have cancer, is also showing up white. So if you have very um, dense tissue, which shows up white on a mammogram and your cancer is white, there is no way of finding, you know, the white snowflake in the field of white snow. So it can go undetected for a, a long time. And not every breast cancer either has the traditional symptoms of finding a lump, right? So there's also lobular cancers or inflammatory cancers that present differently. And so I think the more education, you know, as we kind of started off to getting outside of our own echo chamber, but letting people know about your body is just really important so that they're empowered to ask these questions and press for other types of diagnostics. Um, if they have a family history of breast cancer, a genetic mutation, or right. just want to make sure we need to learn to advocate for ourselves, much like we talked about um, the the busy mom syndrome. When mm-hmm. oh, I don't, there's no time for me to take care of myself. Well, you know what, you need to, and you need to advocate for your own health. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I, if you text um, check your chart to the number two one one four one one, you'll get all the information about breast density. Mm-hmm. And for me, I love hearing from my friends and acquaintances now who now, you know, know enough to look in their portals and go, oh, I have breast, I have dense breast tissue too. And then they're going to their doctors and they're, you know, demanding the additional screening. Mm -hmm. Um, It just makes me feel good. I can't change my story, but maybe I can change the story for some other people. 100% really like moving that needle, getting the information out there and making it so accessible too, because everyone has a cell phone these days, it seems. So, you know, just being able to text something. What was that number again? 211? Uh, It's 211411. Okay. And the words you should text are check your chart. Awesome. Awesome. 
Heidi, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. It was so fun hearing your story, learning about the bulbs, how people can get involved. Our mutual friend, Leslie, who is running an amazing organization, My Density Matters. Such good information today. I'm going to put all the links in the show notes below. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you for inviting me on. I enjoy it. And I listen to the podcast all the time. And thank you all for listening and tuning in week after week here on Breast Cancer Conversations. Please be mindful that all of our content and information is for educational purposes only and is never a substitute for medical advice. If you want to hang out again, please check out survivingbreastcancer.org forward slash events where you can RSVP to our Thursday Night Thrivers weekly meetup, our Movement Monday classes, workshops, seminars, and so much more. We can also continue the dialogue online via social media. Our Instagram handle is survivingbreastcancer.org, all one word, and you can follow us on Twitter at SBC underscore ORG. Until next time, keep on thriving.